0: Very hard on on fitness and um, and the running game. That's what kind of led me to, to want this dream of
1: being a, a racing driver. There's no point in talking to you except standards of excellence.
2: We will deal with the Titan Cup if we're in it, and we will we'll certainly give it every bit of respect. There's
1: no feeling that beats
2: playing for Ireland. Oh my God, i want to do everything that is possible to bring us there. This is Sportsbeat Extra. Continuing on with Saturday's sporting conversation, and we're digesting what has been another fascinating League of Ireland campaign. We're also discussing what's been happening in Munster rugby for the past two months, including yet another historic night against Southern Hemisphere teams. I'm Sean Connolly, and you're very welcome to SportsBeat Extra.
0: Five counties, one big sports show SportsBeat Extra.
2: I'm very pleased to be joined by Oshin Langan to cover the hot topics from the region and elsewhere over the course of the season. Oshin, as always, great to speak with you. How are you doing? I'm not too bad. How are you? All the better to be able to share some time with yourself. Now, no better place to begin than Richmond Park yesterday evening in the promotion relegation playoff between UCD and Waterford. Danny Searlesman, unfortunately, coming up short in a 1-0 loss. What was your view from the commentator's box?
0: Well, they had a lot of possession, but did very little with it. I don't remember Keane Moore having to make a meaningful save. And the trouble for Waterford was is that they came up against a very good UCD team and people just assumed because Waterford went into the playoffs with a bit of momentum and played well during the playoffs, that they'd carry that form into a clash with UCD. But UCD were a major step up to anything they faced in the last couple of weeks. And I know Waterford had beaten St. Pats in the Cup, in fact, in Richmond Park, and had beaten Dundalk in the Cup at home. But last night, it just looked like UCD were that bit sharper. And you could see it even in their defensive system, they limited Phoenix Patterson in possession even when he got the ball and yes he did some good things but not as many as you would expect or not as many as he wanted to do and that's not his fault by the way he was coming up against a very very good team who marshalled them well they were able to um, double up a bit and yeah. they were able to kind of clog up the spaces that he would run into and he can only beat so many players so for Waterford it's a horrific loss no one is going to give it to you you have to take it and unfortunately for Waterford They didn't take it. Now, Danny Searle, he's unlucky. I think he's done really well since he came in. I mean, (laughs) weird as this will sound, I think Waterford, player for player, probably have a better squad than Cork City. But City got the start that they wanted. They got the start they needed. They kept doing what they needed to do. And I guess, look, Cork City finished first. So they're the best team in the Premier Division. Waterford didn't beat UCD in the playoff final. So they don't deserve to be in the Premier Division because that's just the way it works. And, and, And look, Lonergan, the danger man seventh goal in the league last night Alex Nolan crossed it to him I thought and I called it in commentary when the free was given away in the lead into the goal I thought from Baptiste I said well that's probably a clever foul but then like Conan Byrne gave me this look as if to say no it isn't and he said it on air he said well it's not really because he tackled with the wrong foot he gave away a free in a very dangerous area and there were other players around he didn't have to do it and sure enough they scored from the free kick they were a lot better in the second half but still struggled to create chances so look it's a thickener. There was 2,700 people there last night, the majority of them supporting Waterford. For them, you would have wanted Waterford to get the results and to to get back up. Um, but now, now is the time to show your support for the club, and particularly junior after that penalty miss. Yes, it was a terrible penalty, but that happens in football. The players miss penalties. Compared to the end of last season, Sean, Look up the state Waterford were in as a club. There was a lot of uncertainty. And I remember Brian Murphy venting his frustration and saying, look, we need to get this right from the outside. And I'm only judging from the outside. They seem to have done that. They seem to have solidified things. Andy Pilly seems to be a good owner. And um, look, I hope looks aren't deceiving.
2: If you look elsewhere in the region, we've got Wexford FC, who've recently been rocked by the news of Ian Ryan's resignation. Just how impressed have you been with Wexford under Ian Ryan and the improvement that they've made?
0: I was impressed with them in the second half of the season. I mean, obviously, like they really picked up form-wise in the second half of the season, and then towards the end of the season, it just kind of dwindled a bit. And it's a pity because, you know, they showed it in the cup against uh, Dundalk and against Sligo that they can step up and they're capable of big performances. And um, um, I, like I like how they played. I went to see them a couple of times. And even in the game that they lost against Cork City, I thought they were unlucky not to get something out of it. Jack Doherty got injured, which was a big loss because, especially in the first division, if you miss a player, if you miss a, a player with that talent, or if you don't have a player of that talent, it's going to damage you. And you know what? Take even the first division out of it. Any team that misses its top player or one of its top players is going to be lesser without them. You know, Messi. If he was missing for Barcelona at his pump, Barcelona still would have been a good team, wouldn't have been as good. Manchester City, without Haaland, they're still very, very good, yeah, yeah, but they're not as good. So you see the point I'm making there yeah, absolutely. um I, I but like the thing is is one one change they did make this year was in how the club was run or who was running the club, and that was a really important thing. Sometimes you can nearly flatter to deceive as in you can have a good season or you can even get up, but your club clearly isn't ready for the step up. I think for Wexford, they're getting themselves ready to step up. Not ready for it yet. Even if they'd have got to the playoffs, they probably wouldn't have got through them. They're trying to get it right behind the scenes. And if you do that, you have a chance. If you get your structures right, you have a chance. And if you run yourself right as a business, which football clubs are, and granted they may have different goals to your normal and standard business, but you have to run yourself as a business and run yourself practically.
2: Turner's Cross is obviously going to host Premier Division football once more it can only benefit the allure of the Premier Division overall, can't it?
0: Well, it's good for the Premier Division to have a geographical spread. Yes. uh, Which is why it would have been good to have Galway or Waterford in. Unfortunately, obviously, uh, they've lost Finn Harps. Uh, Turner's Cross is a Premier Division stadium. Cork City, when run right, is a Premier Division club. Um, Now, there would have to be an awful lot of change in that squad for it to be a Premier Division uh, squad. But look, this is the the few weeks in the, the month or so that you take a run at that and you get your squad together Probably no cancellation to Waterford fans that there's a Premier Division team closer to them. Um, but if they could get up as well next year and Cork City remained, wouldn't it be great to just have a few clubs around and who knows what Cove Ramblers and, 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 and Wexford could do. Yeah, look, it's, it, it, like, it's ridiculous to have no Premier Division representation in the second city of Ireland. And now that has been corrected. But again, Sean, people might assume while well, they're back up now, they'll stay up. The history of Cork City Kind of similar enough to, to the various Waterford United slash Waterford F.C.'s over the years, is a bit of success, then bust. Nice, and that's yeah. a, a fairly rudimentary way of putting it, but that is the way it has been. So City really need now to get a squad together. Colin Healy has signed on. That's a very good thing. I'm led to believe that Colin does push the board. And that's a good thing as well. Okay. Like he's a very ambitious guy. He's achieved an awful lot in the game. But even take his playing career out of it, which was massively curtailed by injury. I think younger people don't realise how good a player Colin Healy was. Very decent midfielder. Very good ball player. Got injured. Injury really affected his career. So like he was a quality player, like top quality. And then injury meant that he didn't quite play at the top, top for a long period. But he was uh, a really quality player. Has turned into a quality coach. Uh, a much sought-after coach um did great work at the academy, funnily enough, was appointed by John Caulfield. Um and I, I spoke to him during the year and he said one thing I like to create is just a good environment around and you have to talk to people and don't just shout at them. Don't just expect that they'll know what to do. You have to talk to people and they have to talk to you. And I thought that was um that was very wise. He signed well this year in the first division. And he it's funny how he kind of talked about feeling a responsibility to get City back up because he was in charge when they were relegated. He's being hard on himself there because he came in late into a bad situation. There wasn't much he could do. Um, but, yeah, he's a good manager, he's a good coach, but it's all now about recruitment. Recruitment is so important for Cork City. And the thing is, is, they have a fan ownership model, but there's a bit of a debate about whether or not they allow a buyer to take them over or whether they don't and... I suppose the debate is, is, well, they can only do so much financially with the fan ownership model, whereas if they have a buyer, then, you know, maybe that person can do a bit of an Andy Pilly, basically, and come in and, and spend a few quid. Of course, it doesn't guarantee you success, as we've seen with both Galway and Waterford, who've had Correct. owners who've pumped a lot of money in, um, but it's, it's a debate.
2: That Cork City side, obviously, with the necessity to strengthen, because they're joining the ranks along the likes of Derry and Shamrock Rovers, and I thought maybe with about four or five games to go that we could have seen something with Derry, but ultimately two points from a possible 12 at the end really compiled the end of that season. Just how impressed were you with Rovers' management, I suppose, of the domestic campaign, given the amount of European excursion that they had?
0: Well, I was very impressed with Stephen Bradley, have been for a few years, and obviously when you look at it this way, like Stephen Bradley is managing the club in uh, the Premier Division and in Europe, and he's doing that while... Uh, dealing with a really bad situation at home. His son Josh isn't well and I you know, obviously wish Stephen, the family and particularly Josh well. Um and it was great to see Josh out there for the celebrations when they won the league <coughs> excuse me, lifting the trophy. Um so he did that with the support of his players and he's spoken about how the players supported him and he supports the players and it was great to see he his players giving back to him because he's given them so much. You have to remember there was a time when there was a lot of people uh, in Rovers colours, calling for Bradley to go. Like, I remember seeing signs, um, and I don't mean metaphorically, I mean actual signs in the stadium. Um, and it is a massive credit to the Rovers management, as in the people who run the club, that they stuck with the project. It's a horrible marketing term, but that's what they did. They stuck with the project. And Stephen has the right people around him as well, which is, which is really good, particularly Stephen McPhail. Another man who had great experience, would have played with Leeds, Mm. curtailed a little bit by injury but still had a great career uh, playing wise um, and, and like they, they do have a strong squad but you still have to manage that squad and they did it very well and when you look at the players that they lost I mean they didn't have Jack Byrne at the peak of his powers this season and even so Jack still played a you know, few decent games made an impact but uh, they also were missing Roberto Lopez for large parts of the series, season mm. that's a huge loss that's a they are also missing Danny Mandreu who they lost to Lincoln and Stephen Bradley had the opportunity to go to Lincoln himself and, and to take it I think the, the decision has worked out I think by getting to the conference league um, group stage that's a successful European campaign but one thing they will be disappointed with in Europe and they should be disappointed is how they performed away from home in a few of the games they were beaten and beaten well and while they did show some good form at home and they did get um some 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 good results at home in Europe, which does count for an awful lot financially. I mean, a draw is worth a lot more to you, and significantly more to you uh, than a defeat in the Conference League group stage. Um, I think those are the things they'll want to look at, and they can improve. Now, obviously, they're missing. They're going to miss Andy Lyons next year. He's he's off to Blackpool, but that's that's the nature of League of Ireland football. If you've got a player like Andy Lyons who pulled up trees in the early part of the season, uh, you are going to lose him, and you just have to, to, to rebuild. But if you're Rovers you probably have the pick of the bunch. The Rovers have that advantage of being in Dublin as well. So, like, if you're in Dublin or you're from, you know, Dublin downwards, then Rovers is is possibly a better choice than Derry. But Derry do have a lot of money to spend, so I can understand why someone would go there as well. And, and they're a successful, and they have a good manager.
2: They do, and, and that's the, the last thing I was actually going to ask you. It was just a quick snapshot. What way do you have the game going tomorrow? Derry and Shelburne FAI Cup Final.
0: Well, you mentioned it there that Derry have been in poor form recently. Keith Tracy, the former Irish international who regularly joins me on the LOI show, would tell you, you can't just turn it on and off. You can't just say, well, you know what, we'll we'll take it handy the next three games because the league is gone anyway, and then we'll turn it on for the cup final. It doesn't work like that. They're also missing Diallo, which is an incalculable loss because he was the one who anchored the middle. And one thing, I went up, I, I drove from the to Derry to watch them in Europe earlier in the season I wasn't even working I was just really curious to see Derry in the flesh and really curious to go to the Brandywell the Ryan McBride Brandywell. so I I took myself up there and fantastic fantastic uh, club fantastic facility fantastic atmosphere but they were really missing someone holding the middle that day and then they got the Aloe in after that and he did did a fantastic job he's missing tomorrow and I think that's a huge loss and Shelburne have nothing to lose the pressure is off them And, um, you know, in Sean Boyd, they have a guy who can score goals and he can get on the end of set pieces. So the closer we get to the game, the more I'm fancying Shelburne. And I I can't, I'm not sure I can verbalise that, but they're very solid defensively. They break well, but they have the likes of Moyland, who impressed so well at Wexford last year. They have Sean Boyd, who can score goals. Gavin Malloy is very solid. Luke Byrne, at, at you know, their captain, an excellent defender. Clarkey in goal, he's been there and done that. I think he's 36, 37, but he's as nimble as anything. I mean, I, I, I've been really impressed by Clarkey this year, who didn't start the season as Shells number one. And Damien Duff as well. He did an interview during the week in which he talked about having to kind of hold himself back a bit because he was beginning to burn out. And, you know, he, he was kind of changing certain things that he was doing, which really impressed me because it showed an ability for him to change and adapt as a manager. And he's got a great uh, team with him as well, including Joey O'Brien. Look, you asked me a question. I'm going around the houses. <laughs> oh, I, I everyone is saying, Terry, I just I have a feeling for Shells, okay. which will be hard on St. Pat's because if Shells win, St. Pat's don't get Europe. Next season, which um, very selfishly Sean is back for me because I do a lot of Pat's games.
2: Oshina, always a pleasure. Thank you so much.
0: Thanks, Sean. Tracking sport across the southeast. Sports beat
2: extra. I'm joined now by my good friend and fellow sporting connoisseur, Mr. Nigel Kelly. Nigel, since we last spoke, Munster played seven games in the United Rugby Championship, winning on only two occasions, as well as going out and beating a South Africa A in Cork. Mm. It really is quintessential storybook Munster, isn't it?
1: Yeah, ups, downs, and everything in between. You, you you take the big moments and enjoy them, and then you grit your teeth and bear it for the rest because they've been very hard to call this year, Sean. Really, to be totally honest, mm. um, I think you have to take all of the games we've seen so far with a pinch of salt, mm. and and that's not, you know, I do my best to not speak with any kind of provincial bias on, on my shoulders, but I think you have to take it a pinch of salt because, yeah, look, you're you're into a new coaching group, okay you do have the majority, the lion's share of your squad are still there. They've been playing together for a long period. They are trying to do something a bit different to Munster this season. Uh, speaking of, obviously, Graham Roundtree, uh, Dennis Leamy, Kiriasu and, and and his coaching staff. They are trying to move the province on in a way and, and you're seeing glimpses of it all the time. They're trying to play a bit more of an exciting brand. They're trying to get the fans back on side. Now, you'll never lose the Munster fans. They'll always support the province no matter what, through thick and thin. They always have. But I think Roundtree is trying to entertain them a bit more than what they have over the last number of years. They have been playing, until um, Johan van Graan left, a fairly stodgy South African style of play. Mm. And you would have heard the, you know, we'll get to it in a second, but you would have heard it midweek, obviously, with the uh, South Africa game in, in, in Parky Cueve. They were trying to play a style of rugby that they just didn't have the, the materials for. They didn't have the size of players they needed. and Stodgy, brutish,
2: yeah, uh, just physical.
1: Yeah, and it, it, it'll always get you caught out when you do come up against a team who have the physical size of players. When you come to Europe and you play some of the French sides and they have monster packs, Munster haven't the heft to, to combat it. And they probably needed to start joining the rest of the world in, in, in a more modern brand of rugby because, look, I'm like any old-fashioned old, old fashioned Munster fan. I love seeing a cup the jumper on wet and miserable nights and the forward pack do the job for you. Yeah, But that's not going to get you back to the top table in Europe anytime soon. Those days are gone, really. You know, so... It's been it's been unusual so far.
2: Yeah, and I suppose the last time we spoke, we spoke prior to the URC starting. Mm. And we made mention to Roundtree coming in, his first real crack at a whip. Yeah. Um. Even though he's obviously a vastly experienced guy. Mm. His talents are there for all to see. And they were there prior to him even coming on board and getting his opportunity. But we also made mention to the fact that we were anticipating somewhat of a transitional season. Yeah. A lot of youth there. Mm-hmm there's maybe a couple of surprise results in there that you, even though there is that sort of transitional period, you'd have expected a little bit more. Confidence?
1: Is it in experience? I'd say maybe a lack of sureness in terms of what they're trying to do because they haven't been doing it long enough. You know, in, in terms of trying to play a, a bit more of an exciting brand, they're asking a lot more of their forward pack too. They need a bit more skills in their back pocket. There is a demand on players here to do something different. Um, I, I know what you're getting to and, and that's that, that loss against the Dragons early on in the season. like Yeah kind of guilty to beats Dragons on a good day you know like they're not a team you should be losing to and yeah you're over playing in Wales that's fine but they don't have the standard to beat Munster they, you should not be losing to a team like that and that's not knocking the Dragons but come on they're, you they're and not I that spoke. good
2: of a team I actually remember speaking about that game mm-hmm. maybe a week before it occurred there's a couple of surebred ones inside and there and yeah, uh, I remember speaking after the opening day defeat mm-hmm and thinking, okay, look, this has occurred. We won't necessarily ring the bells yet because no. there's a bit of transition now if we were to encounter something similar to that next week, mm-hmm. then alarm bells might start ringing, and unfortunately, that is what happened,
1: yeah, and like you have to bear in mind that they are fourteenth in the URC table. you know they're they're down there. They are not going to get tender this year. the the the, the domestic league is over for them essentially, you know, you just got to play it out and and treat it as a transitionary year. You've got to try and develop. In saying that, I've been very impressed with the amount of young players that Roundtree has been blooding into this team. Absolutely. Like, there is yeah. a huge number of young players who have got their start. And um, maybe Van Graan would have always had a couple of youngsters, but he was leaning on his old stock a bit too much at times. Um, you don't have the wealth of a production line, a la Leinster. You know, they can they they could afford to blood three or four new players every single week, and there's more going to come behind them, and more again behind them, lads that's again, Munster haven't got that stock. Um, they just don't. You're comparing apples and oranges. But nonetheless, Roundtree has been blooding them. Like you saw midweek as well against that against South Africa, like the, the likes of a dogbo who's come into the into the second row as an academy player has been a phenomenal player. He's, he's been, been fantastic. Really, yeah, he's been very really good. very good. Like I'm still a bit worried about Joy Carberry. Like this is going to sound facetious, but what is he? Like is he an out half or is he a fullback? Because we we haven't seen him play ten proper, you know and. The World Cup in Japan is what I'd always go back to for him. Like He was brought to Japan. He wasn't fully fit. He was played and it put him off for nearly two years straight. And we haven't seen a whole lot of Joey Carberry yet. And he was to be, he was anointed as, you know, to follow up from Johnny Sexton. But now you have a thing where you have Crowley, you have uh, Carberry and Johnson have Ben Healy. Who is the the best out half of Munster? You don't really know at the moment and that's a problem for them too.
2: Let me put it to you with Carberry Mm. because he's been waiting in the wings what feels like his entire career. Has he just adopted the persona of a
1: I suppose, the definition of a role player. Maybe he is. Um, I, I don't think he, his mind would be that way. I think, you know, any, any professional player who has the ability he has is aiming to be at the very, very top. Injuries have really been very cruel to him. Now, the IRFU weren't great to him either, considering they shouldn't have brought him to Japan for that World Cup, right? I think there's, there's an answer to be had in that one too. But he is kind of, he, he's nothing but a second string player right now, aside from what we know he can do. He is second choice Uh, uh, and, you know, the argument should be there. Well, well, is he is he first choice? That's where he wants to be, I guess. Um, So it's all coming a bit of a storm for Munster at the moment and like probably making it sound worse than it is. Yeah, down the table, not looking good, very mixed performances, not picking up enough wins. But week in, week out, you are seeing improvements and the pass that wasn't going to hand last week is going to hand now. The shoulder runner who wasn't there is there now clear out is a bit better. Like that Dragons game in particular, they didn't know what they were doing at the breakdown. Like players were just standing around aimlessly. They didn't know where they were supposed to be. Um, now that you can point to bad coaching or not enough of it yet with, with something new in terms of their process. So it's probably a mix of a lot of things and it's, you could sound very harsh very fast because there has been players who have been putting in some brilliant performances and like obviously to name our own here in Waterford, Jack O'Donoghue, He's had a brilliant year so far, as he did last year too. Can feel aggrieved and have been on the summer tour, seven or eight games played this year. Um, I'm not exactly blown away or excited by them yet, but you can see the green shoots and you can see that they are they're making headway, just and maybe not fast enough.
2: When you look, what's going on behind the scenes then as well? You've got Tom O'Hearn, Calvin mm-hmm. Nash, Finn O'Meara, all getting new contracts with the province. Yeah. yeah. And you look at how the province is maybe profiting from the administration of Worcester and, and Wasps in recent time. Yeah. Maybe in that particular facet is showing the benefits of, uh, I suppose, positioning towards youth and bringing in Ali Morris toward the end of the season. And he's such a young guy. Yeah. But then you can see <coughs> the other spectrum of it where John Ryan at 34 years of age is coming in and immediately being thrust into yeah. the starting lineup. Yeah. It's it really, I suppose, it it, it epitomizes what's going on, on on the field with the ups and the downs. There is clearly a a progressional ideal here towards transitioning towards the youth and bringing the youth mm-hmm. further into it. But then the lack of depth and the lack of experience
1: there was really telling when Ryan can just come in and start from the offset. Yeah, you, you can, and and like you, you, you point out, Tom Hearn, like you know, will be a great player for Munster. The more he develops, will be a proper Test player too. You have to think he looks like it all in the locker, but. Now he's gone for four months. He's off for shoulder surgery. You know, he's he's four months out of it. Like you're not going to have him back until you know March, thereabouts. Um and and because of that, then you have to bring in McDonald from Edinburgh to to fill the gap because you don't have enough to, to come through the production line. So there is a concern around that in terms of your strength and depth also. Um then you're you kind of coincide that with what you've seen in recent weeks. While Ireland were off tour New Zealand, we had the you know, shortly after the Ireland A in South Africa. There's probably Ah, look, it depends what side of the coin you're on, but you can kind of point the finger at the IRFU and say, look, you've, you've kind of made a mess here, lads, in some ways. Like, we're on the horizon of a World Cup. We won more Six Nations until we go over to France for the World Cup. And there's too many of our younger players haven't got game time in an Ireland jersey. And um, we do rely on the Trident Tested. If I talk to old-fashioned rugby stock up in Dublin, they'll tell you you have to go and win every game in the Six Nations because we're Ireland, we're not England and France, and we don't have the capital behind us, so we have to win each game to make it all financially stable. The other side of it is that by doing that, you don't play the young players. So now we had this Ireland Day tour, and Tom O'Hearn was fantastic on it. You know, picked up a man at the match award, put 10 grand in his back pocket because of it, was a real standout performer on that tour. But we shouldn't have to have these tours, you know, to, to get all those monster guys, and there was a lot of monster guys on that tour. To get them game time, we have to make up an Ireland day versus South Africa touring type thing to get them game time. Like we have a policy, an unwritten one. It's an unwritten rule, but it's well accepted that if you're not playing in Ireland, you won't play for Ireland. You saw with Simon Zebo for years. We had the Sexton exactly. rule, obviously. But like why? Maybe there is and it's unwritten and unpublicized, but like there should be a policy that you need to have maybe one or two players under a certain number of caps or under a certain age on your bench for Ireland team for Ireland games whether it be six nations or not
2: you can bring it over yeah. and you can even just look at look at a different sport entirely and you talk about like football mm. and and how these youngsters are bred and they get to 17 18 19 20 years of age they make the bench, maybe yeah. you don't see them two or three games in a row and then they might get five minutes at the end of a game, they might get ten minutes at the end of the game. They're valuable minutes yeah, yeah, because yeah. they're bringing players and it doesn't matter what type of sport it is, it's just a professional mentality and taking young guys and breathing them among big seasoned veteran men, men yeah. that are grizzly men and that's the only way they can get this experience and yeah. ultimately, the provinces will will prosper, the country will prosper. But, look, I suppose we have to touch on it on Thursday night and I miss. everything we've discussed. 28-14 against the South Africa Select First time in Porky Cueve, 100% winning record. <laughs> um, it truly is astounding what Munster can do against these touring nations. To beat Australia three times, mm-hmm. seven victories over this hemisphere in what has really and truly been, as we said, a transitional struggling season. So many players out missing through injury, mm-hmm. away on international duty, and to still pull that off, Simon Zebo, amongst many. BlackRock Corner.
1: What did you make of it? Ah, look, I was very impressed by it and I, I enjoyed it an awful lot. Uh, you have to bear in mind that, look, it's, it's for anyone who's not aware, it's not a South African test team. You know, it no. is lads who aren't, they're not they are not starting All Blacks. Like, if you look at some of the players who are on the pitch, like, there are some very recognisable names from the All Blacks side, the likes of Joseph Dweba, um, Herschel Yantis, the scrum half, um, Cornel Hendricks, they've all been in and around. None of them are starting Springboks and, and that, that that is a point to make. But nonetheless, they're all players who... Have been in and around the Springboks. Really a conversation. Yes, of course, and and, and and they will be deserving of their place on certain weeks. So for Munster to go and do a job with you know what wasn't a full strength starting Munster side, as you point out, you know if, if you look at the, the, the starting fifteen, it, it's not a full strength team. So to be able to do that in strange circumstances in Parky Quive, to not leave the occasion overall, yeah, to see Shane Daly and as you say Simon Zebo, the two Cork lads getting in for tries in Parky Quive both of them have not played GEA within Cork and you know, around the club sides. Like it is. Um, Talking Halley there as well, the three, the back row getting yeah, in there as well. It was, it was fantastic. It was a brilliant performance and it is, it's a hard one. It's kind of a weird one to, 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 to what do you take from it? Because it's not going to change your standing in the season. Now, before the game, I was listening to some of the, the talk building up to it. Is this the spark point that kind of gets Monster of fire on this year? I don't think so. I I think it's something that in five six years time we'll still be able to talk about when they beat South Africa in in Parky I don't think it's going to ignite their season at all. I, I'd be surprised if it does because it's, it's it's have no consequence. You know, it's a nice Alan and in the wouldn't camp. agree with you. No, he wouldn't. And look, he would know more than me, so maybe he's right. Maybe <laughs> I'm wrong. But I I don't think it's going to be an impetus for their season. I'd be surprised if it is. I think they have to put the head down and, and just focus on on getting your game to where you want it to be. You have this year, look lads, you're, you're not going to contend. Uh, you're chasing the ball now from 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 the off and there's other teams who have absolutely hurtled ahead of you so I think you take your year and you try to develop what you've been working on and by the time you start next season you know round two with Graham round three you're ready to go and you can actually challenge from the first game onwards
2: yeah and that's when they need to stand up and be counted exactly like yeah. the next credible um, outing I believe 26 in November against Connacht yes Opportunity for immediate revenge, because yes. you're talking like it's a little over two months, possibly yep. in around two months time. Whatever has occurred this season will put it down to standing up next campaign to be counted, round three to be counted, players to be counted. But there is still pride to be taken from this particular campaign and especially the outing against Ulster, mm-hmm. having lost to Leinster and Connacht. Mm-hmm. You're thinking that, OK, look, build a bit of pride back up. You're not going to get turned over by each of the provinces at home. Yeah. But for it to happen in Atoman Park as well, just uh, that was about the only standing point that this team had this campaign, that the troubles were happening on their travels, whereas mm-hmm. at home in the fortress, yeah, everything was kind of standing up still. But I think there's an opportunity there to maybe take a small bit of momentum, albeit however small it may be, mm-hmm. what has occurred against South Africa, and hopefully go into that iconic game and start redeveloping a bit of form, a bit of momentum for the remainder of the campaign that they can come out of it and at least have something to take.
1: Yeah, I'd agree with you. Like, to, to finish off well and to start picking up wins, and look, yeah, you're, you're not going to be up the top of the table. Um, You might make a quarterfinal this year, possibly. It could it could well happen, you know. Um, But to finish the year out with good performances, and by the time we come to the second half of the season, to be able to identify and see what the new Munster brand of rugby is, exactly, that'll be a success. And then you have your pre-season, you have your long summer, and you can polish it you and you can be ready. Um, hopefully you have a few more reinforcements brought in They are definitely going to need a fresh in the squad as well Because there are lads who are getting older Now thankfully as we pointed out There has been a huge number of young players Who have gotten their first test They've gotten minutes here and there They're picking up game time They could pu- prove to be huge next year um, Unfortunately this year Hasn't been what we would have wanted
0: Five counties One big sports show
2: sports Sportsbeat Extra That's it for this week's show. As always, you can get in touch via sport at Beat102103.com. Keep them coming in. I love speaking with you all across the region. Beat Anthems is coming up next, but if you fancy a chance at winning a thousand euro bursary for your club, you might want to listen to this.
0: Club Focus with Eco Solar Energy. The solar experts you can rely on. Make the cleaner choice. EcoSolarEnergy.ie
2: How do you fancy winning a grand for your club? Club Focus is back, and each month I'm going to visit a club in the region to give them a chance to take their place in the limelight, and that's the feature on air, online and across our socials. At the end of the 12 months, one lucky club will bag €1,000 bursary. That winning club will also be chosen through a public vote, so it gives you a great opportunity to attract some new members. Club Focus is part of Beat's ongoing commitment to support the work that local clubs do, while also celebrating the positive impact that you all have on your local communities. So if you want to get involved, it's as simple as heading to beat102103.com forward slash clubfocus to apply now. I'll see you soon.
0: Club Focus with EcoSolar Energy. The solar experts you can rely on. Make the cleaner choice. Ecosolarenergy.ie